author Paul Leslie Hour, helping people tell their stories. And now, your host, Paul Leslie. Hey, it's me. Hello and welcome. It is another episode of the Paul Leslie Hour. And this time around, it's a combination concert review and an interview from the past. This is an interview with Steve Tyrell, a fantastic vocalist and performer. I've been wanting to see him for quite a number of years. My friend Johnny Pizza, who was also the guest on episode number 130, invited me to see the show. Can't stop thanking Johnny Pizza enough. I'd been wanting to see him for some time, and now, to get the chance to do so, was very magical, to say the least. City Winery is one of those places where you can eat and watch a great show. I think the combination of those two things are one of the greatest pleasures life knows. I think it was Shakespeare who said, if music be the food of love, play on. That came to mind last night. Steve Tyrell was fantastic. He had great stories. He could sing anything. His band was top-notch. Incredible band. What impressed me about Steve Tyrell was his versatility. He could just sing anything. He did the American Songbook, of course, which is what he's most known for. But he also did songs like Always On My Mind, which he told the story behind the song, which was very interesting to me. You know how I am. He talked about how Elvis Presley was the first person to sing it, not Willie Nelson. And it occurred to me, gosh, Steve Tyrell could sing a country and western album. He could do a country and western album. I know his hero, Ray Charles, was known for singing country music. Anyways, I'm digressing a little bit here. He also did the Otis Redding song, Try a Little Tenderness, which is a classic song now. And he ended the show with a medley of Burt Bacharach songs. Just beautiful. I'm still excited. You know, a good concert leaves you with an afterglow the next day. I went back and I found this interview that I did. I think this was back in 2012. He had just released his album, I'll Take Romance, the great love songs of all time. Great album. I remember playing that song for my younger sister, a kid. She would say, Paul, put on that Steve Tyrell album. That album makes me feel good. And so this interview is not just limited to that particular album. There's a lot of stuff in there I think you all will enjoy. I hope to get round two with Steve Tyrell at some point. Maybe it'll be face-to-face. He's a very interesting man, and his music will make you feel good. Thanks again to Johnny Pizza And everyone out there, enjoy this classic interview conducted over the telephone with one of the great singers, Steve Tyrell. Ladies and gentlemen, it's our pleasure to welcome our special guest, Steve Tyrell. He's a jazz musician, a performer, a singer. My first question, what was life like growing up? I'm Italian descent. My family had a grocery store in the Fifth Ward of Houston, Texas, now it was my grandparents' grocery store, and after World War II, my father and mother took it over. So I was raised in kind of the all-black neighborhood of Houston, Texas, by Italian parents. <laughs> so that's what it was like growing up. It was it was during segregation and in the South, and uh, so we listened to a lot of Italian singers. 
course, Frank Sinatra and, you know, Dino and Perry Pomo and all those people. Plus, in, had an influence of great rhythm and blues people like Louis Jordan and Louis Armstrong and Duke Ellington and Count Basie and Ella, Billy Holiday, all that fused together when I was a kid. And that was the influences that I had musically and socially. As far as your vocals, what vocalist, if you could pick just one, has influenced you the most? Ray Charles. I think he's the best ever, in my, for my money, you know. What is it about Ray Charles? Well, I love the sound of his voice, just his influences on how he, where he takes each line of the melody and how he changes it. And I most appreciate the fact that he can sing any kind of song, make it his own in like one line, whether it's country, jazz, gospel, pop, blues. Whatever it is, standards, whatever it is that Ray Charles sings, it's immediately his, and it's immediately distinguishable, and uh, and he can do it all equally well. Some people can sing standards really well, or they can sing jazz really well, or they can sing country really well. Ray Charles can sing anything really well. Why do you think there has been such a renaissance in the interpretations of the American standards, the American songbook? I mean, I'm proud to say I feel a little bit a part of that. But when I sang The Way You Look Tonight in Father of the Bride, that was the first standard I had ever sung. I came up in rhythm and blues and pop music, working as a record producer. And, you know, I worked with Burt Backrack and Dionne Warwick and a lot of the rhythm and blues artists that were on Scepter Records when I started. So I kind of owed us. Reading, I kind of came from that world. And when I sang The Way You Look Tonight, it was a new thing for me, and it introduced me to the Great American Songbook, and I just fell in love with it. And I sang, people started telling me I should make an album of standards, and uh, especially Steve Martin. <laughs> I thought to myself, who would buy it? Because there was nobody really, really doing it. Harry Connick had done it years before, and when Harry met Sally, and, and every once in a while, somebody would come along. And Natalie Cole did a tribute album to her father, but she came from Minimum Blues as well. Nobody was really doing standards at that 1992 when we did that movie, you know, except for Tony Bennett, who had always done it. That's his music, you know. He's the dean of all of us. Anyway, I finally made an album after the second movie for Atlantic Records. It started to do really well. I think it was on the charts for about three years or something. Then Rod Stewart heard that album, and he started coming to my concerts and stuff, and we became friends. And he asked me if I would produce his album, Singing the Great American Songbook, and I did. And the first album I produced for Rod Stewart was his first number one album in 25 years and won he and me a Grammy. And then David Foster started calling me up and telling me that, asking me how many I was selling on my Stanford's album and told me, you know, that uh, he and his wife played my first two albums around the house all the time. And I think ultimately he was producing Josh Groban at the time, and I think ultimately that led to him and his association with Michael Bublé, you know. And then all of a sudden people have started to see how great these songs are. So I think in answer to your question, the reason that there's a renaissance is because people are singing them. <laughs> Never people for through 70 years has sings the great American songbook. I don't care what age you are what gender you are, what your background is, people, when they're exposed to those great songs, fall in love with them. And I think Rod Stewart's audience is the perfect example. Baby boomers that never had anything in common with the great American songbook. 
except it was their parents' music. When they heard Rod do it, they started listening to these songs and went, oh, man, that's great. And Michael Buble, when he did it, he turned it on to a, turned on to a whole bunch of young people that had never heard these songs. So that's your answer. If, you get, if these songs continue to be heard, they will continue to be popular. I understand that even the Sinatra family came to you after you were in the movie singing. Tell us about that experience. I'm sure that was just an incredible honor to have them reach out to you. Well, they're my friends. I mean, Frank, Frank Jr. and wrote the liner notes to my songs of Sinatra album. I sang a couple of duets with him on that album. And, well, I sang a duet with him on that album, and I sang a duet on his album. And he has really supported me. Ever since I started, Frank and Nancy and Tina and Mrs. Sinatra, both Mrs. Sinatra's do it, you know, the, I went to her, Mrs. Sinatra's 90th birthday party. I was the only one in the family that wasn't, that was invited. Nancy Sr. I'm talking about. So they've just been very supportive all along. I sang at the Hollywood Bowl for them the night that Frank Sinatra was was inducted into the Hollywood Bowl Hall of Fame with Quincy Jones. We did Fly Me to the Moon. I sung it at the New York Pops at Carnegie Hall for the Sinatra family when they when Frank was honored. So they, they've just been great friends and supporters. The person that really started me and stepped out from, from the Father of the Bride movies was Rosemary Clooney. She was the one that helped me the, first, the most. She gave me my first two gigs <laughs> and insisted that I sing with her. I didn't meet the Sinatra family until I made my first album and they heard it. But Rosemary Clooney is the one that heard me sing. I asked to come be her guest at the Dorothy Chandler Pavilion. Then when my album came out, she helped me get booked at New York at Michael Feinstein's club because her manager was also Michael's manager. Our special guest is Steve Tyrell. You just mentioned Rosemary Clooney. What did you find her to be like? She was great. She was great. I mean, just a very generous person that went out of her way to find me and inspire me to continue to sing the Great American Songbook. Well, she had to go to some trouble to find my phone number. I'll tell you who called me that knocked me out, too, was Vic Damone. He called me out of the blue. I was working out and said he's been meaning to call me for a long time, that he hears my stuff, and that he really likes it. I mean, stuff like that really means wow people. Because you know they have to get your number from somebody. I mean, they, they have to go to some trouble to do that. And the uh, same way with Frank Jr., I heard from him when my album came out. And I don't know. That stuff means the world to you. It does to me anyway. When you have people that really invented this music and really know this music give you encouragement, you can't beat it. Our special guest is singer Steve Tyrell. One of your albums is entitled I'll Take Romance. What do you think of that album? I love it. I mean, it, I like the songs. I like the arrangements. I, I think it's a, it's a romantic album, but it's a little bit more, in some ways, leaning a little more, has a little more R&B influence, like Sam Cooke's Sentimental Reasons. And I did a song from Little Willie John called Talk to Me that I love. And then there's one song from David Foster on there that's really good, that's a relatively new song. And then Barry Mann and Cynthia Weil who were my partners in music, and I've never done any of their music. I have two songs on this album. And then there's the regular standards that I'm kind of known for. Plus, they're putting a bonus track of The Way You Look Tonight on is the last track 
which hasn't been on one of my albums for like 10 years or something. And they're going to market this album to the wedding industry because so many people have used my music at the, at their weddings. For, for President Clinton told me he danced to Chelsea to my version of The Way You Look Tonight. On and on. Because of those Father of the Bride movies, there's been so many people that have used my music at their nuptials. Oh, we also did that last on this album, which is Etta James' song, which is used a lot. It's the opening track, actually. And it's used so much at wet nuptials and weddings, and people like those words when they get married. So it's more, it's a romantic album with a message about commitment, love songs. Hopefully that brides and grooms can buy and our people on their anniversaries and play it. The more albums you make, I think the better you, hopefully, that you get. The more you sing, the more you know about it, about singing. You're listening to our interview with singer Steve Tyrell. I think probably love is the most popular topic for songs. So with so many songs about romance, how did you go about picking the songs that you wanted to record for your album, I'll Take Romance? There's so many great songs. That's the biggest difficulty in making any an album or playing a live performance. It's not what songs you do, but what songs you don't, you leave out. <laughs> So they're all great. If people ask you, what you, what's your favorite song? You can't have a favorite song, really. Could you pick a favorite song from the I'll Take Romance album? God, I really couldn't. I mean, I'd say, I mean, what do you pick from? And Last, or which is a great song, or The Way You Look Tonight, which is the song that changed my life, or Talk To Me, which is a jewel that most people don't know about, which is one of my favorite songs ever, from Little Willie John. It's a surprise in the album. I mean, you can't... It's like having a favorite kid. You're listening to our interview with Steve Tyrell. When you do have the songs in mind, how do you go about approaching your interpretation? I learn the songs first, note for note, from the way the guys... from whoever wrote them. And usually it's it's somebody great. So my feeling is that you should learn the song completely before you start interpreting it so you know where it's coming from you know you know what i mean i I don't think that i'm qualified to start out by writing a better melody than than cole porter (laughs) now i can take his melody if i know it close my eyes and see what god gives me you know what i mean i need to know what the melody is to start off I i learn the songs first note for note the way i think they were written and then I start singing them, and then stuff happens from there. That comes from your heart. I don't like plan on it. And sometimes if they're influenced by whoever sang them, too, you know, like yeah. you, you you can't help be be influenced if you're going to sing it last. You can't help it. I can't help but be influenced by Etta James. You know, if I'm going to sing Georgia on my mind. I gotta listen to Brother Ray. I mean, he owns it. So I don't I don't try to reinvent the wheel. You know. I was going to ask you about the title track, I'll Take Romance, Mm -hmm. that features Judith Hill. Tell us about that song. Judith Hill is a great young singer that I met when I was producing Rod Stewart's Soul Book album. She was about to go on the road with Michael Jackson. She's in his movie, This Is It. She was going to sing the duets with him on his last tour. He had discovered her and was going to introduce her to the world. And she's brilliant, great musician and a great singer. And so I asked her 
if she would sing that song with me, I'll take romance on my album. I've been working with her ever since I met her. And uh, she, she's, I just think she's brilliant. And I think one of these days, soon, she's going to be a superstar. Michael Jackson thought so, too, or he wouldn't have been taking her out on the road with him. You've produced so many artists' albums. There's a couple of albums that you produced for Regis Philbin. Yeah. In my humble opinion, those were really good. Well, thank you. Thank you. I, it, it was, I, I love Regis. He's a, he's a great guy and a good friend. And I'm very sad that he's not on TV anymore, you know? I mean, but he'll get it. He'll be doing something. I got to get a hold of him. I, I missed him in New York this last time. He always came to see me. He's always supported me. He loves music. He loves the great American songbook. And he was, he's a good singer. He made a deal with Disney to do an album of standards. I think he suggested them that maybe they should get a hold of me, and they called me, and I said, yeah, I'd be glad to produce an album for Regis. And I ended up doing two of them. Is that one and a Christmas album that he made, too. What is the best thing about being Steve Tyrell? Being able to, to make your own music, to privilege. It's not something I take lightly, especially in lieu of the fact that I didn't even know I'd be doing this. I mean, I made my first album when I was 52 years old. <laughs> I mean, most people don't do that. I now have made nine albums. I realize that I've, I've been given the opportunity to play music all over the world and to make albums. You know, I'm excited to be on Concord Records. The, kind of like a new beginning for me, a different, a new label I've always you know, appreciated. And to make music. That's the best thing about being Steve Tyrell, to be able to make music, to produce music that's your own, that you can leave behind and people can listen to for as long as they want. My last question for our special guest, Steve Tyrell. What would you like to say to anyone who's listening to this? Thank you for supporting my music, and if you have not heard my music, hopefully you will get a chance to. You can go on stevetyrell.com and you know, find out who I am and listen to the music. But for the most part, I'm very appreciative to my fans who come year after year, place after place, and support me and tell me stories about how music, my music or my albums have helped them at some point in their life or in their get through sicknesses or bad times or good times or whatever. That's what I'd like to say thank you to the people who supported me. Mr. Tyrell, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you very much. I hope you come to Atlanta. Oh, me too, man. I love Atlanta. I don't get there nearly enough. I'd love to come to Atlanta. need to be playing down there. I need to eat some of those good peaches you guys got down there. <laughs> In the grit. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Paul Leslie Hour. For more information, you can visit thepaulleslie.com. For more information on Steve Tyrell, you can visit stevetyrell.com. Until next time. Goodbye.